All right, what a week, right? Um, so this week, if you're fasting with us, this is, uh, this is day seven, and uh, you're probably like me, a little bit weary, a little tired, a little ready to eat, um, a little uh, exhausted. So this week for me, I, I, hit, uh, I hit kind of a, a brick wall on day five. Um, been going to the gym, which is my routine, and on, on day five, it kind of all, all hit the fan. I, I just uh, got exhausted, got frustrated, and found myself just laying in the floor at the gym, uh, just talking to God, like, okay, I'm done. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm, uh, my wife would tell you I'm, I'm hungry to the point that I'm, I'm hangry. Anybody ever been hangry? <laughs> right? I'm at that point where she's having to fast to get some patience just to deal with me, right? Um, but at day five, I kind of hit a wall. I'm, I'm on the floor at the gym, and I'm just kind of like, okay, God, I, I, I need you. Like, I just need you. And, um, you know, he kind of spoke some convicting words to me, but the biggest thing he did was just point me to Jesus in that moment. So I'm laying there on the floor and I start thinking about Jesus. I start thinking, you know, he fasted like hardcore, nothing but water for 40 days, right? And then the Spirit led him up to be tempted. And, and the first temptation that comes to him is, hey, if you're God, if you're the Son of God, why don't you just turn that rock into some bread? Like, meet your need, you know? You're hungry, right? I mean, that's what the Bible said. He was hungry. So the enemy comes to him and just says, go ahead and meet your need. Take care of yourself. There's no, what's the point of this whole fasting thing anyway? Just, just handle it. You can deal with it. You can do this, right? That self-reliance. Provide for yourself is the temptation. I, I was feeling that on day five. Like, I just want a burger or something. And um, I look to Jesus and I'm like, man, this guy... What a hero. Like after 40 days, he's able to resist temptation. That's our God. That's our Jesus. I wonder about for you, um, are you pressing in like Jesus did? You know, right there in that temptation, he, he resisted the enemy by saying, you know, man doesn't need just bread to live. In fact, this whole fast is just to remind myself and to proclaim to the world that I don't need just bread to live. I need the words of God to live. And so he just postured himself to hear. I needed to hear that on day five this week, writing in my journal. God, I need to hear you. Let me just feast on your words. So this morning, uh, I pray for you that you've come hungry. Not just for food, but hungry for the Word of God. To hear from Him. And if you're not there, maybe the Lord would, in these moments, give you an appetite for Him. So I'm loving the sense of community that uh, I'm seeing on our little Bible app. If you're a part of that, thank you for participating. If you're not, join us. Um, version Bible app, we're, we're doing a little devotion together. That's, how you, that's what it sounds like when you find it. Um, <laughs> We're doing a little devotion together, and you can jump on there. It's day eight. We're starting tomorrow. You jump in today if you want, and we're reading the same devotions together and then commenting on the app, and um, those comments encourage me. One of the ones this week that just struck me um, was uh, a comment. Somebody said, just said, uh, hey, without prayer, fasting's just a diet. I thought to myself, you know what? That's the truth. Like... I don't just need to not eat. I need to press into this prayer time to hearing from God. So I want to encourage you to jump in with us and be a part of that. It's been a real blessing uh, to those of us who are involved. Two more weeks of hearing from the Lord in an intense way through fasting. And I pray you'll join us in that.
So last week's message, we talked about, Lord, search my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. So that was our prayer last week. I hope that's kind of been on the back of your mind all week. And you've been thinking through this idea of peeling back the layers and letting God just explore the the depths of who you are. Next week, we're, we're talking about probably one of my most exciting, one of the messages I'm most excited about. And it's Lord, send me. That's. That's the prayer we'll be praying next week. Lord, send me. So with that prayer, what we're saying is, God, all of me is yours. Whatever you want to do, take me wherever you want me to be. Use me however you want to use me. Just kind of writing a blank check, giving it to God, letting him cash it. Um, And one thing we'll see next week is that all of us as a church, what we're intended to be is a sending organization who's constantly sending missionaries to the prisons and to to other places around the world to to share the gospel we're meant to be a sending organization so as a church you you are either going to be a sender or a goer or maybe you're going to be both both sending and and from time to time going so next week i'm excited to 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 challenge us with that prayer to hopefully ask god to bring that into who we are Uh, as well as to give you hopefully some opportunities this year that you can go, okay, I'm going to go with the gospel to this place on these days this year. So hopefully that'll be next week. I'm praying for a powerful time together. Today, I want to focus on a dangerous prayer that uh, it's not a prayer you would normally pray. It's not a common prayer probably. Uh, It's not a prayer that would jive with that whole um, uh, God give me my happiest, best life today kind of, kind of living. It's not a prayer that goes with the God make me healthy, wealthy, and happy. This is the kind of prayer that says, Lord, do whatever you want to do in my life. God, break me. Break me of who I am and make me who you want me to be. God, I need your mercy. So we're praying, Lord, Break me. Um, I want us to stand together. I know you just got seated. I want us to stand together and read from the Psalms. Psalm 51. As you're finding your place there, just a little backstory. Psalm 51 is the Psalm David writes after he sins with Bathsheba and. Uh, he has orchestrated the murder of Bathsheba's husband. And he's just gone on this crazy scheme of trying to cover up his sin. And after all the cover-up, he thinks the dust has settled. His friend Nathan, the prophet, comes to him and points his bony finger at him and says, Hey man, you're a sinner. And it all just comes crashing down on David. And he writes this psalm. I want us to focus in right now on verse 17. It says this, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So just to get that in context, let's look back one verse, verse 16. Um, David, David's saying, um, Lord, you, you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering, or, or I would bring it. The sacrifices, so he's talking about the worship, God, that you want, is a broken spirit. 
A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So this morning, we're praying, God, break our hearts, break us. Father, it's our prayer today that uh, your word and the truth we're going to discuss would bring us to a place where we're able to make an honest assessment of who we are and our desperate need for you. God, that we can't live our lives the way you intend for us to apart from you, that we desperately need you. So, Lord, break us and make us who you'd have us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So most broken things have less value. You know, if you, um, if you break something at your house or you crash your car or you... Um, well, if you just break something, typically it loses its value, right? Most broken things lose value. But what God is saying to us here is that He actually values a broken heart. A broken and contrite spirit is what He desires. So I want us to use a story today from the Bible, a story that Jesus tells. It's a parable, um, and he uses parables to teach, and he is um, teaching us through this parable about the right kind of heart, a broken heart. So I want you to find your place in Luke chapter 18, and this is where we'll be today. Luke chapter 18. Verses 9 through 14. I want, to, I want to read this together. So Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So let's just pause for a second. Look at who he's talking to and what the problem is that he's addressing. He's talking to People who trust in themselves for their righteousness and treat others with contempt. So that's the problem. Just so, so we see how Jesus handles a problem. He doesn't go and talk to someone else about the problem. He talks to the problem because Jesus is he's courageous. He's bold. He's strong. He's confident. So he doesn't just go talk about the problem. He talks to the problem. So he's looking at the problem and then he's going to paint a picture for them. And he tells this story. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted so jesus tells this story obviously making a stark contrast comparison between these two men two men who come to the temple to pray and um 
Let's just kind of walk through the narrative making some observations. Okay, the first guy is a Pharisee. So he is well-respected, well-regarded. Well he's, he's dressed to the nines, wearing the robe with all the jewels and the big fancy hat. And every, when he's coming down the road, everyone, oh, Pharisee. Everyone respects and honors this man. The tax collector, on the other hand, is a man that everyone despises. No one likes him. It's kind of like the IRS except worse, right? So the IRS in our day, like they, at least they try to like go by the book. Tax collectors in their day, it was all a, a, a money-making scheme. So if you earn $10 this year and you owe Caesar $1 as your tax, you'd come to the tax collector, this man, and he would, he would say, oh, how much did you make? You'd say $10. He'd say, okay, Caesar gets one and I get two. Hand them over. It's no wonder people hated tax collectors, right? They were cheats. So we've got this picture Jesus is painting of two men. One who's well-regarded, well-respected, who's upstanding. He's, he's by, by many accounts, he's, he's the right guy. Then we've got the other guy. No one likes, despised by everyone, a cheat. And Jesus makes the most startling statement. Look with me back, if you will, verse 14, because this parable is all about this one word. And then he gives a teaching at the end. But the one word in verse 14 is this. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, talking about the tax collector, this man, went down to his house, and here's the big word, justified. Rather than the other. I think we need to see the contrast of what we perceive as good and right versus what Jesus says is good and right. And then the teaching at the end of this parable, he tells this terrible, and then he gives his, this parable, not terrible, parable, and then he gives a teaching he says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled or broken. But the one who humbles himself or breaks himself will be exalted. So I want us to talk about this for a minute. Um, what I want to do before we jump into um, three quick points or a couple of quick points from this parable is I want, to, I want to teach a little bit of theology. I think it's important. So just a quick theology lesson, okay? Theology is the study of God. Theos, theos and ology squeeze together study of God. So theology is our doctrine. It's all the things that we believe and understand about this one whom we worship. Now, theology is what we know and what we believe about him. Worship, there's another word for that, doxology. And it's two words squeezed together. Doxa, which is the glory, and then ology, which means the study of. So the study of the glory of God. So what we're talking about is beholding His glory. That's worship, right? If you know it, there's a, there's a song that we sometimes, some of us, refer to as the doxology. Remember, you familiar with this song? Praise God from whom all... Right? The doxology. That word means worship. That's what it means. It's the beholding, knowing, and proclaiming His glory. Now, theology must 
inform and fuel doxology. Here's what I mean. We must believe rightly about our God in order to worship rightly our God. If your theology is a mess, but you're full of worship, you have idolatry. Because you don't rightly believe about God. You're worshiping someone who's not truly God as He presents Himself in this book. So theology matters. Deeply it matters. On the flip side, if you have a head full of theology and you know all the fancy words, but your theology doesn't lead you to doxology, you have a problem. Your head is bloated. You're puffed up and your, your knowing God hasn't led you to loving God. Another major problem. So we have to have this this interweaving overlap of deep theology with intimate doxology. Amen? So I want to give us some theology that I'm praying will fuel your doxology. So when Jesus says, this man went to his home justified. What does that mean? What does it mean? There's a big word in theology. It's simple. Justification. I'm going to give you three terms today. And you, if you're taking notes, I gave, I, hopefully there's a handout that went around. But if you're taking notes, these three terms. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. I'm just going to teach them really quickly, okay? Justification. What is Jesus saying? This man went to his house justified. What does that mean? Here's what it means. The word justified is a legal term. It's a term from the courtroom. Right? You get, that's where we get our word justice, right? So it's, it's, it's legal from the courtroom. So this man, tax collector, stands before the judge in the courtroom of all time. The God eternal, the judge of the living and the dead. He stands before the judge. There's boatloads of evidence against him. Everyone in the community, he's cheated on their taxes. Everybody despises this man and is ready to see the gavel drop. He's guilty. That would be justice, wouldn't it? Because he deserves it. But this man comes before the judge and he says... Have mercy on me, a sinner. And in that moment, Jesus, the Son of God, who came to bear the sins of the world, who died on a cross in your place, what's called substitutionary atonement. He died in your place and in the place of this sinner. And in the moment, he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus steps in front of the judge and says, oh, Father, give to him my righteousness and give to me his rap sheet. I'll take all of his sin, nail it to me on the cross. And so in that moment, When the gavel strikes, the judge of all creation makes a declaration over this tax collector. And this is what it means to be justified. You ready? It means to be declared righteous by the God eternal. 
declared righteous by the God eternal. So the judge of all creation looks at a sinner who rightfully deserves punishment but executes his wrath on Jesus instead. That's the gospel, church. That's the good news of the gospel is that when we cry out to Jesus for mercy, he steps in. And the wrath of God is poured out on his son and not on you and not on me. That's justification. And it's all God's work. Every ounce of it. All we plead for is mercy. Oh God, give me mercy. Not justice. Mercy. The miracle and the paradox of how that works plays out in Romans chapter 3. If you want to dig deeper, Romans 3 verses 21 through 26 talk about how God can be both just and the one who justifies. He would be a, a bad judge if he just swept your sin under the rug. Exodus chapter 34 verse 7 says that God will not do that. He will not sweep your sin under the rug. It will be punished either on you or on His Son. That's justification. Sanctification is what begins at that moment. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes into a believer. He's the seal of your faith. He's the guarantee that what God has promised you in salvation, God will complete in glorification. The Holy Spirit comes in you to empower you to live differently. Because now you belong to a king. You stood in a courtroom before a judge and you walked out and he's your father. That's the work of justification and the spirit of God in you enables you to walk out the Christian life. You're not able to do it apart from him. So there's this cooperation. Remember, justification was all God. Sanctification, though, is this process Like the Spirit of God lives in you and He's empowering you to live differently. Paul writes about it like this. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He doesn't say, work for your salvation with fear and trembling. Let's make the clear distinction. God does all the work of salvation. But the work of sanctification, we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Here's how. Colossians 2 says, walk in the same way In which you received. How did you receive? Through repentance and faith. So the process of sanctification is the same. The Holy Spirit of God reveals to you your sin. He reveals. It's a cycle. Holy Spirit reveals. You repent and believe. Cycle repeats. Holy Spirit shows you. You're being grumpy today. I'm not being grumpy. Oh, I was grumpy. Right? He reveals to you your sin. What do you do? Okay, I just got to walk out my faith. God, I'm repenting. God, have mercy on me. Have mercy. I'm a sinner. I need you, Lord. Break me of my sin. Break me, Lord. Help me to to repent. I don't like that. I don't want to be that. I, I turn away from that. And I walk in faith that you are making me new. You are making me new through the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I'm believing that you are changing me. I'm not that old grumpy codger anymore. I'm new. Sanctification. Right? And then thirdly, this third definition. 
glorification. This is what we're all anxiously looking for, hoping, waiting, believing, trusting that there's coming a day where this old body is going to be traded in on a new one. And uh, all the junk that we deal with in a broken world is going to be made new. And we'll be glorified with God. Let me just give you the summary of what that means. Here's what it means is, God is making you new and you will eternally glorify Him forever. Enjoy Him and glorify Him forever. Let me just summarize um, what was broken in the garden with Adam and Eve. So God said in the beginning, let us make man in our own image, right? And so God in His creation was making sort of a huge mirror that would show His image, that would reflect His glory. God wanted His creation to to display His glory. But what happened? We sinned, we fell, and since then it's like a hammer hit that mirror and it just sort of shattered. And we have, since that day, refracted, not reflected. We We have displayed a broken representation of Almighty God. None of us are a perfect representation of Him. We're, we're all broken. We all are in need of being made new. Salvation, justification is the declaration that you are made new. It's what we just witnessed, right? Born again. And the glorification is the fulfillment of that promise. And in that day, we will all reflect Him and His glory perfectly. So that's some theology. So here we go. Listen. That theology needs to fuel your doxology, your worship of God. What is He doing in your life? He's rescuing you by His mercy and grace. He's making you new through the power of His Spirit. And He's promised to fulfill everything He's doing in you in glorification. So let's look at this text quickly. First thing. Luke 18, dealing with these two men. I want to do this quickly. First thing, our prayer needs to be this. God, break me of myself. Self-trust is a huge problem here. Jesus said to these men, He said it to some who trusted in themselves. It's straight there in the text. Listen, the gospel call, you heard Russ say this earlier, the gospel call is a call to abandon your hope in anything but Jesus. Listen, the gospel says this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Have we learned that equation yet? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the gospel. We're trusting in Him alone, not in ourselves. So God, break me of trusting myself. Also, my self-trust, but my self-righteousness. This Pharisee, he was banking on his own goodness. He was banking on on what he had done and what he had not done. Remember what he said? He stood over there and he said, God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that I'm not a cheat, that that I'm, I'm fair, that I haven't cheated on my wife. He looks over and he sees the tax collector. He says, I thank you. I'm not like him. It's good. It's a good thing to not be like him. I've been doing all my spiritual ritual stuff. I've been fasting twice a week. I'm giving of my income, tithing like I'm supposed to. That's good. 
I'm glad. Thank you, God. It's garbage self-righteousness. And Jesus makes a clear distinction. That guy doesn't go home to his house justified. People who see themselves too highly tend to look down on others. And the spinoff of that is uh, just what the Scripture says. It says uh, they trusted in themselves and they treated others with contempt. You know, if you, if you lean on your own righteousness, you'll look at others uh, in their failures and judgment. It's just what you do. But if you press in like the tax collector and you lean into the mercy of God then you're able to look at another sinner who needs mercy and extend mercy and grace. So, I want to ask you, judge yourself. Do I look on others with contempt? If you do, you need God to break you because you think too highly of yourself. Second thing, break me over my sin. Break me over my sin. I just want to walk through this tax collector's prayer quickly. He says this. God, be merciful. That's the right prayer. I don't know if you've ever been before God and begged Him for mercy. But we need to know, church, that's the right prayer. We stand before a holy God, sinful, and we need mercy. If you've never begged for mercy, you need to beg for mercy. It's the right prayer. When we ask for mercy, it puts us at the mercy of God, undeserving of forgiveness. We're undeserving of it, but he gives it. He says then, be merciful. And then he says, to me. This is simple, but this is the right person. It's the right person. You know, I don't don't know if you have a habit of blaming others for the mess in your life. Stop it. Just deal with you. Right? Be merciful to me. The psalmist writes in Psalm 51, we we just read uh, from that psalm at the beginning of our time together. And I'm going to read to you the first four verses. I want to see if you pick up on a trend here in this prayer for mercy, for mercy to me. Listen to what David says. Remember, he had sinned with Bathsheba and this is his kind of repentance prayer. He says, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. It's the right person. Verse 4, he says this, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. When we pray to God, break me, oh God. Just look at you. Don't look at anyone else. Just deal with you. God, break me. Break me. Your sin, while it may have offended others, is mainly an offense toward a holy God. 
This is the right person. Last thing, he says, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is the right perspective. It's the right perspective. So he's able to look at himself and rightly judge that he's a sinner, which is what leads him to beg for mercy. We, we hesitate to use this word sometimes in calling ourselves sinners or thinking about that, but it's, it's just a Bible word. This man is not trying to defend himself. He's not posturing himself as a, as a this or a that. He's not going through his litany of the things he does do well. Yeah, I might steal from people, but I do these things well. He didn't bother with all of that. He just came to the bottom line. The bottom line is, I'm a sinner and I need mercy. Maybe that is you today. I don't know if it is, but maybe it is. And if it is, I want to beg you. Come before God and beg Him for mercy. And based on the blood of Jesus, He will give it. He's a good God. He's a righteous judge. But a good Father. Beg for mercy. God wants you to pray this week. And I want you to join me in praying this week. Lord, break me. Break me of myself. Break me of my sin. Break me, Lord. Help me, God, to see what you're trying to get rid of in me. You're chiseling away on me. It's not fun. It's painful. It kind of hurts. God, I'm okay with that. I want to go through the pain of breaking so that you can make me whatever you want me to be. So my prayer for us today is that we... Begin praying this way. Lord, break me. Trusting in myself. And help me repent of myself. <laughs> Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Give us a time to respond. Um, you guys are going to come play a, a little bit of music. And just want to give you an opportunity. You know, we started this service with a celebration with baptism. And that's the beautiful thing. Is that... When God breaks you of your self-reliance and turns you toward trusting in Christ, it's actually a celebration. It's a celebration because it's new life. It's a new birth. That's salvation. Some of you, many of you in this room are already Christians. But God still needs to break you. Because every day you wake up trusting yourself. And every day you need to wake up and say, God, I want to lay that down. I want to trust in you. Whatever you want to do with me today. Break me of my self-reliance, my self-righteousness. Break me over my sin. Help me to trust in you today. So let's just take a minute and pray and sing. And then um, let's walk out of this room rejoicing. We have a righteous judge who's a good father.